be praying for the volunteers, uh, be praying for the, the uh, kids as well. And if you know somebody that's got kids between that age range, let them know. And uh, let the families know too, while that's going on, we do have opportunity for adult Bible studies going on here. And so we're excited for what God is doing through this uh, new opportunity. Um, next weekend, next Friday and next Saturday, uh, we have the Memorial Day parking lot ministry. They, of course, have the, um, what's that thing called? Flea market. Uh, there you go. That's right. That big old weekend where you come and buy all the fleas. Is that what it's for, right? Flea markets. Uh, but they're already sitting up down there. So Friday and Saturday, we let folks sit out and, and to park their cars here for free. But if you want to help out with that, even just for a couple hours, sign up in the back and uh, just let us know you can help out. And then also next Saturday, we had a little uh, extra added announcement. A little Ronnie Hicks up here that turns one, and, and they, they're letting everyone know um, they are having a little birthday party next Saturday at one at the pavilion. And if you want to go, and if you don't have Facebook, here's your invitation. Go see Carissa. So I'll put it this way. If next Saturday at one o'clock you want free food, go see, see, see Carissa, and, and she'll give you all, all the answers to that. But anyways... Um, I'm thankful that we can gather today. We're going to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, and let's lift up our hearts and our voices to Him. But before we do, uh, let's pray, and let's pray for those who are serving today. And I just want to thank, uh, thank you guys for, for being here. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this day of life that we can gather, we can worship You. Uh, Lord, today I pray that each, each heart that's here today would, would worship You with the right heart and attitude and motive, Lord, that we would seek Your glory, we would seek to glorify You in everything that we would say and do that we would glorify you in our fellowship with one another, in the way that we sing, the way that we pour out our hearts to you as you've poured out into our hearts, Lord, through your word later today. God, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. I pray, God, that you would bless it today. Lord, that you would um, give encouragement to those who need it, give conviction to those who need it. Lord, if there's one today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that today that they would repent of their sins and trust you. Now, Lord, I pray that you would prepare us as we're trying to see these ministries getting started up, God, that we would understand that it's only going to be done through your power, through your work. And God, we pray that you would uh, allow us just to be obedient to you. And Lord, just to humble ourselves now before you. And Lord, that you would uh, be glorified as we sing. And Lord, that you would accomplish great things today. And Lord, we thank you for this time. And we give it to you now. Pray that you would bless Doug, bless Cammie, and those who are helping today. And Lord, that you would be glorified as they use their talents for you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. concert pianist so she has to kind of drag herself down to this level to be able to play for us and we got Tony and Ann backing me up so we're going to have a good time um, just bear with us because uh, Joanne's not here JL's not here so you just have to bear with us for everybody would like to stand our first song is going to be It Is Well With Our Soul and what we're going to do on the refrain, we're going to have the ladies go, it is well, and the guys are going to back it up, it is well. And then they're going to, the ladies are going to go with, what is it, with our soul, with, with my soul. soul. And then the guys are going to go back it up, with, with my soul, and then we're all going to sing together, it is well, it is well with my soul. Okay, everybody got it? Nobody <laughs> has any mix-up on your gender, do you? <laughs> okay, so ladies first, and then, and then the guys second, okay? Okay, Cammy, whenever you're ready. <laughs>
You can get it taken care of. Okay, the next song we're going to sing, To God Be the Glory. In Psalm 126.3, it says, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad.
everybody turn around, wave, smile, even if you don't really feel like it, smile. Okay, you can be seated now when you get through with all that. And we have some special music today. Ashley is going to be playing for us some special music. Oh, mm-hmm. 
week, we'll have JL and we'll have Joanne back. You should be very thankful for that. And welcome, Pastor Joe. Let's all give him a hand for preaching for us. I'm thankful that we serve a risen Savior who does not care if our piano is in tune, who plays it, what the guy leading music looks like, sounds like. <laughs> I'm thankful that he doesn't nearly care near as much about how ugly the pastor might be. <laughs> not me, I wasn't talking about some other pastor. There's ugly pastors out there. It ain't here. <laughs> I'm thankful that God could care a whole lot less about those things and He just cares about our hearts that worship Him. I think sometimes we forget there's been a whole lot more time in church history where there were no instruments, where there were believers that were gathered together around the truth of God and who sung the truth of God, even singing the Scripture and praying the Scripture, and God was honored and glorified. Today, if you didn't get nothing out of it, good, it wasn't for you. When we sing, it's not for you, it's not for me, it's for Christ. And today, at the end of this service, when I'm done in an hour and a half, because it's Doug's fault now, but an hour and a half when I'm done, and if you don't get nothing out of it, that's on you. But it's not for you. And I don't preach for you, by the way. I preach for God. That's what I'm going to do today. Turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter number, chapter number 14. Chapter number 14. Last week we had begun by dealing with the priority of prayer and then everyone left and from everyone that I talked to afterwards, your prayer life this week is already a million times better, right? You didn't feel a bit bad about it, right? Everything's going up now, right? Now, we all know about prayer, but I think we need to know a little bit more. Not in our minds, but I think we need to know prayer more in our hearts. We need to know not about praying, but we need to truly pray. And I believe there's a difference. As a pastor, I read a lot of books, and I try to. I read a lot of books about prayer, but they don't do a bit of good if I don't pray. We can talk a lot about prayer, we can talk a lot about worship, but if we don't pray and we don't worship, then no prayer, no worship will ever be offered. Let's read here in the Scripture today, John chapter 10, excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 10 through 17, tells us this. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the work, very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we could worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I thank you that you're not pleased because of sacrifice of bulls and goats or how our piano might sound or how our voices sound, but God, you're pleased with the heart that is faithful to You, hearts that are loving to You, that care for You, that, that know You, Lord.
Help us now. Help me, Lord. My heart and my mind, God, just to be cleansed, to be cleared. God, to have liberty to preach Your Word. And God, that You would fill me with Your Spirit. And Lord, that each of us today would receive exactly what we need from Your Word today. And God, that we would be filled up, Lord, so we might be poured out as living sacrifices for You. God, we love You and we thank You for this time. We give it over to You now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. First of all, you would be saying, well, the purpose of prayer is to have my prayers answered, isn't it? Right? The, the first thing that we look at in this passage in these we see, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. And if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, those of us who misunderstand prayer love verse 14, and they love it even more because they don't understand it. And we often look and we say, well, I could just ask Jesus for anything, and as long as I ask in His name, I'm going to get it, right? So you keep praying about the lottery, you keep praying about that new uh, 2022 GMC Sierra sitting in there in your parking spot, right? It, it ain't going to work, right? Not that way. Now you can pray some specific prayers, you can pray for some things, and just because you attach Jesus' name to it does not mean here that He's going to allow you to then win the lottery or the publisher's clearing house or maybe to grow six or eight inches. And it, it don't work that way. So what's He talking about here? We're going to see that the purpose of prayer is much more than getting what we want, all right? The purpose of prayer and our asking prayer and God's answering prayer hinges on this, abiding prayer. Not just abiding in prayer, but abiding in Him kind of prayer. And we're going to look at what that means today. What we often think of is that the purpose of prayer is just for us to go to God whenever we want something, need something, and most of the time it's we just want something and because I went to Him in prayer, He should just Give me all that I want. I want to thank God that He's not given me all that I ever want. And I want to thank God that He's not given me all that I deserve because if I got what I deserve, I'd be in hell. I wouldn't be here today. And that's the reality. God is gracious in how He answers prayer. But we have to understand this, that prayer is incredibly important. We talked about last week the priority of prayer in Jesus' life and ministry. And if it's important for Jesus in His life and ministry for prayer, how much more then should it be for us? We know it because it's a Sunday school simple truth. And yet, how many of us this morning spent, I don't know, more than a minute and a half praying for today's service for God to be glorified? How many of us prayed for our hearts to be prepared to receive the Word of God? How many of us prayed for these things? You see, prayer is only as important as we actually pray. And it, we will show the importance of prayer and how we pray and why we pray. But here, the purpose of prayer, I want to look at just one, one quick thing. John Wesley says about prayer, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. You, you and I know the importance of prayer, don't we? But yet, how little we pray. How little we trust God with things. How little we wrestle in prayer. How little we spend time. And how little we understand that the purpose is that, not that God would do exactly what we want, but rather through prayer that we would do what He wants. And I believe this is the key in our prayer life. That we understand that we can do nothing without prayer. Many of us think that prayer is saved for the, the problems in life, and even more so the big problems in life, right? Cancer, car wrecks, loss of life, that's stuff you pray about. Uh, or financial issues, you don't have a, a can of beans in your cup, you've got to pray now. I want you to know prayer is for all times and all things for all people to know the Lord, to fellowship with Him. And we have to understand this, and we've gotten so dependent upon ourselves it's a very American thing to be self-reliant, as it is for human nature. As human beings, we want to take care of ourselves. And by the way, you should be able to take care of yourselves. We, we should be less reliant on, on the world than we should be dependent upon the Lord. But here's the issue. 
So many of us have failed to realize our dependence upon prayer. And we're not dependent upon prayer because we really don't pray. Nor do we, I think, understand the purpose of it. That's what we're going to get at today. I want us to discover that the purpose of prayer is to bring us to a place of abiding in Christ. It's not just to bring heaven down and to get our answers, but rather it's that we would commune and fellowship with Him, that we would be in Him and He would be in us. The greatest joy of prayer is not just having it answered, but the greatest joy of prayer is often the fellowship with God in praying. We've got to understand this is much bigger and much larger. We're going to look at a few things today. First of all, to abide, what it means is to rest in. Prayer is a work. It's a challenge to pray. It's a job at times to pray. And yet, in all of the work that prayer might be, it is, in its very essence, a resting and abiding in the Lord. To abide means to stay in or to remain in. Even to exist in, and it shows an attitude of dependence to abide in Him. So many of us, we live in the world, but sadly we often abide in the world, but we need to not just live in the world. We live here physically, but we need to live and abide in the Word of God and to abide in Christ. That's the goal of what it means to be a Christian. It's far more simple than what we make it. We overcomplicate church. We overcomplicate the Christian walk. It boils down to abiding in Him. In order to abide in Him, you've got to first of all be in Him. That means you have to have been born again. If you are not born again, you're going to know it. It means this, that you have no real deal conviction of sin. You live in the world. that You live for yourself. You live in some sort of self-righteousness maybe. And maybe that's why you're in church today. I want you to know you must be born again. What does that look like? It means that you understand and come to a full knowledge of the power of the Holy Spirit that you... Uh, have sinned against a holy and a righteous God, you must be born again. You must be changed, but you can't change yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. It is only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that your sins can be forgiven and that you would repent of those sins and trust Jesus alone for your salvation. That is what it means to be born again. And then, that moment that you are saved, you begin the abiding work. The abiding work of the Holy Spirit in us. In us, in the Lord. This continued fellowship. First of all, the purpose of prayer is to see the abiding in His work. Look at this. Verses 10-12. through 12. We often pray about getting things done. and We often pray about, Lord, do this. Lord, do that. And we give Him this sort of honeydew list of what we think He ought to do for us. Here's this. In verse 10-12, through 12, we often get so fretted with work. We get so busy working for the Lord, that it ceases to be for the Lord, it begins to be about ourselves. Or we try to do church work and it's more about the name on the church than it is about Christ who the church belongs to. I want you to know the reason why we fall into those traps is because we're not truly praying with the real purpose. And the purpose is to bring us to abide in His work, not to abide in our own work. When Pastor Joe or when anybody else does anything through their own flesh, we will make a mess of it and we do it for ourselves. But we must do it through the Spirit of God to the glory of God, through the power of Christ. Look here, verse 10 through 12. Jesus has just talked early on in this. He is about to go and be betrayed. He is about to go spend a night in the garden praying. He's about to go spend uh, this time of great agony in prayer as He's about to go and face the cross. It's not so much that He is terribly afraid of, of some nails 
uh, or, or a piece of wood from a tree of which He created, but rather it's that He is going to bear the wrath of your sins and mine. And it will abide upon Him so that you and I can abide in Him without the wrath of God. Now in chapter 14, He tells His his followers, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Because there's nothing like His presence. We want to be where He is. And we should desire to be where He is. He says, and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Now they hadn't seen the Father, but they had seen the Son, and he says, I and the Father are one, I am in him. And here's what, we, here's what we're getting at. Philip saith unto the Lord, unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me, I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, this is important here. When we look at the life of Jesus, we often think that everything that he did, he did for himself or by himself. No, rather, as we talked about last week, Jesus is God, always has been, always will be. He did not become God. He was God, but He was God in the flesh. And in His flesh and in His humanity, He depended upon the work of the Spirit of God. Here's what Jesus had done. He is in the Father, the Father in Him, and Jesus has submitted Himself to the will of the Father, not to His own will. Remember, what is He going to pray later on this very night of His betrayal? Not my will, but Your will be done. Jesus has submitted to the will of the Father and He has submitted to the work of the Spirit in His physical, earthly life and flesh and in His ministry. The words and works of Jesus are now the words and works of the Father in Him and through Him. Notice what Jesus says. And Jesus is Jesus, by the way, the second person of the Trinity from everlasting to everlasting, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And He says... The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. So who's doing the works of Jesus? God in Him. The Father through Him. Jesus, what has He come to do? Well, He just told His disciples. He came to be the mediator between God and man as the God-man to take us to the Father. That if anyone is going to go to Him, that no man comes to the Father but by me. He is the go-between. He is the one who has come on behalf of God and on behalf of man to there die on the cross for us to satisfy God's wrath, but to pay the punishment and the price that man could not pay. And throughout all of His ministry, just a couple chapters ago, He had just healed thousands. He's fed thousands. He's raised the dead to life and given sight to the blind. And He says, 
This is not my work. It's the Father in me. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. He is abiding in the Father. Turn with me in the Gospel of John, chapter number 5. John chapter number 5, verse 19, tells us this. John 5, 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, or, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, there also doeth the Son likewise. Jesus didn't come to do his own thing. He came to do what the Father sent to do. And the way in which Jesus lived his ministry and life on the earth was through the power of God in him. Now hang on to that, all right? You're going to see where this goes. Turn with me now just over a couple more pages to John chapter 8, verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, now here he's preaching and teaching. And they don't understand. And verse 7 says, They understood not that He spake to them of the Father. Then, verse 28, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and and that I do nothing of Myself. But as My Father hath taught Me, I speak these things. We often forget, and as we lift up the deity of Christ, and as we should, and we should lift up the deity of Christ and defend the deity of Christ as we've had to do for 2,000 years, but let us not forget that in His flesh, His real human flesh, He depended upon God for everything. The work that Jesus did was not His own work, but it was the work of God. And it was accomplished not through His flesh, but through abiding in the Father. And I would tell you this, dear Christian, that's so frustrated trying to live the Christian life, trying to have a prayerful life, trying to make your prayer life better. Here's what you're doing. You're running around in circles. You're chasing your tail. You're exhausted. And you go, how come I can't pray more? Why can't I, can't, can't I pray better? All, all these things. Why can't I witness more? Here's the issue. You're trying to do the work that belongs to God in you. Here's the issue that we've got to abide and rest in Him. When we abide in the Lord, the work of the Lord is much more simple and it's much easier to do because we have ceased to strive with Him and rather now He is working through us and in us. We're not called to be the light. We're called to be a lampshade. right? We're called to not be the source of power and the source of work, but rather to be a, a, a vessel made of clay fit for use for God to fill so that we might be poured out and even at times to be broken so He might build us back up, to fill us back up, to pour us back out as living sacrifices for Him. We become so frustrated in the Christian walk because we go, how come I don't pray more? Right? Last week, I felt that way. Anybody else? Right? Go, what? Like, priority prayer, right? Man, I ought to pray more. I ought to pray more. I ought to pray more. You want to pray more? Pray more. But here's the point. If you're ever going to pray more, if, you're ever, if we're ever going to pray better, if we're ever going to have powerful prayers that actually do bring about revival in our own life and in the life of this church and the life of our own community, it's not going to be found in us trying to conjure something up or some secret formula. It's going to come when we abide in Him. What does it mean to abide? We talked about this earlier. To rest in Him. To stay in Him. To remain in Him. To depend on Him. seen many a pastor and I at times 
often fail at this, that we do things on our own strength. We can bring in people. We can use personality. We can use gifts and talents. And we can do all of that stuff to make a church swell. But if a church is ever going to grow, it will only be through the work of God. The issue is that we try to make things happen on our own work. We love the pride of saying, I built something. I've got a coffee table at my house. It's not out because in our move here, the corner broke, right? It it happens. It's not a pretty coffee table. Matter of fact, you could even argue, I wouldn't, that it's kind of ugly. You could say it even looks homemade, because it is. It's the only thing I've ever built. But you know something? Me and my dad were proud of that thing. Why? Because I made it. Here's our issue in the work of the Lord. Many of us grow very prideful because we say, well, look how I grew that ministry. Look how I grew this church. Look how I grew this. Look how I did that. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. And the moment we do that, we're not dependent upon the Lord. The work has become us and our work. And the glory now does not go to God, but it comes to us. And that's not right. So the purpose of prayer is to cause us to abide in everything that we do in Him. That Jesus' ministry is done by the abiding work of God. And Jesus maintains throughout His ministry that all that He does and says is not just for the Father, but by the Father. I want you to know the work of God today is not just for Him, which it should be and ought to be in all things, all things to the glory of God, but it is through the work of God in us, we're just the conduit. We're just the tools and the vessels. We're just the dull-headed hammers that God uses sometimes. That's what we are. We're tools that God desires to use. Many of us have missed this in prayer. Prayer is to make us more like Christ. Prayer is to draw us more together in Christ. Prayer is to draw us to the heart of Christ. And the heart of Christ is for us to abide in Him and He in us. His work was the work of God. His humanity depended upon God. Was directed by God. And if that was Jesus abiding in Him, how much more should we abide if we expect to get anything done for the Lord? Kids club teachers, VBS teachers, every other kind of teacher, everyone that ever does security, sound room, leads a song, doesn't, just sits, whatever you do, It must be done not by your hands, but by the hand of God through you. This is what we've got to get to. The purpose of prayer is to us to abide in His work. And now our abiding, He comes to us and in verse 12. He says, He that believeth on Me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto My Father. We and the church of God have become so oriented on doing and works that we forget that the greatest work that we have is to be in Him. And at times the hardest work that we have is to simply be in Christ. We become so busy with our own hands, so busy with our own desires that we forget that the greatest work that you and I can ever do is to rest and to know the Lord through prayer. It's the greatest work you and I will ever do. In this, a question could be asked in verse 12, What does it mean? Anybody ever ask this? Jesus says you're going to do greater works. What does that mean? I can't be Jesus. I can't do more than Jesus. Jesus died and paid the price for sins. I can't do that. Jesus raised the dead life. I can't do that. Jesus made the 
The blind to see, I can't do that. Jesus healed the leper and the lame, I can't do that. So how can I do greater works? What are the greater works? Our greater works are certainly not the same quality or quantity of Jesus, is it? So what does it mean by greater works? Our greater works is that now we get to point back to Christ. That we get to proclaim Jesus. I can't be Jesus, but I can proclaim Jesus. And that now, our greater works are proclaiming the fullness and completeness of His work through His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and soon descension to call us home. It is found in the Gospel. The great work that we've got, and the greatest work that we've got, is through praying that God would use us in His work to point to Jesus. The work that is done in churches, from the nursery, to kids club, to VBS, to elder ministry, to security, to whatever it might be. It's always had the same goal. What's the same goal? To point to Jesus. It is to make us know Him. To make us grow in Him. To make us abide in Him. To make us proclaim Him. And there is no greater work than that, is it? The Lord desires for us to be used in such. I will never get a thing accomplished for God unless I do it through God. Or rather, even more so, unless God does it through me. The issue is that we often go, well, I've got to get this done for God. I've got to get this done for God. No, I've got to pray. My great purpose in praying is that I would be a usable vessel. That I would be a fit vessel to be used of God. And that by His grace, He would use me for His kingdom. We can only do greater works. And we would all say we want to do greater works, but greater works will only come as we abide in Him as He abided in the Father. Just over, maybe on the same page, John 15, verse 4 and 5, we'll reference it a couple of times. <coughs> At the end of chapter 14, Jesus says, let's, let's get up and let's walk. And they start walking into the garden. He starts teaching them before He prays in the garden about this garden. And He says, look, I am the true vine, my Father is the husband, and every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word <clears throat> which I have spoken unto you. Here's the key. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. I believe the reason why we see little fruit in our life, in our ministry, is because one, we don't pray. But two, the purpose behind our prayer is that when we do pray, we go, well, God, grow us. And what we really mean is, God, give us a bunch of numbers so we feel better about ourselves. God, give us more people. Give us more excitement. Give us more things greatest power in prayer, the greatest purpose behind it is that we would abide in Him because unless I abide in Him, there will be no fruit. Sure, a man, sure, a church can make a lot of fruit, but it'll be rotten. I've seen many times in my own life where I can produce something, but it'll break much like that pretty coffee table of mine. But when the Lord's in it, when I trust in His work, when I abide in Him, there will be fruit abundant fruit and lasting fruit. In church, what we need today is not just some easily some, some sort of 
forced picked fruit. We need the fruit of the Lord. And the only way that we'll ever see fruit in our lives as we pray is through abiding in Him. Without abiding prayer, we can do nothing. Without abiding prayer, we will never see fruit. The second thing that we find is this. In verse 13 to 14, we find that we must be abiding in His will. He says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Right? There's your new truck, your new car. There's your, there's your new job. Is it? He says, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is abiding, first of all. Jesus, His will. What's Jesus' will? It's to do the will of the Father. Here's the issue with you and I at times is that we want God's will to be our will. When we say, well, what is, what is God's will? You know what God's will for your life is? It's for your will to be His will. It's for us to abide in Him. It's for us to simply trust Him. It's for us to follow Him. It's for us to pray. You know the will of God is for you to pray? How many of you guys believe that God knows all things? I do, right? The rest of y'all join in with us, right? You, you'll, you'll like it. How many of you believe that God is all-powerful? How many believe that God is ever-present, right? He's present all the time, right? Lots of stuff. You know what? God still, in the middle of all that, says, pray. Pray. That we might know Him. That we might abide in Him. That we might see answered prayer, but ultimately that through our prayer and the purpose behind it would be that our will would be crushed and would be built back up into being His will. Many of us say, I don't want to do anything that is not in the will of God. It's easy. Do the will of God. Be in Him. Abide in Him. Abide in Christ, and the fruit will be there. In His abiding, in Jesus' abiding in the will of the Father and the work of the Spirit, He glorified the Father. And all of us would say this morning, I want to glorify the Lord. That's why I don't want to do anything outside of His will. Well, then make sure that as you pray, don't just say, Lord, show me your will, but Lord, change my will to be your will. This is a hard one to pray. Because it means that God won't be changing, but rather that we will. That God will be changing us. It's saying, God, mold me. Let my heart be your heart. Let my mind be your mind. Let my desire be your desire. And the issue is that we... Unless we're abiding, we want our desires to be our desires. We want our stuff to be our stuff. And God just gets to play a part in it. No. It's all in. Jesus' prayer for the abiding was to do God's will, but doing God's will always has a greater purpose than just obedience. Jesus submitting to the will of the Father was much more than just that He would do a good job on the earth. Jesus abiding in the will of God and prayerfully doing so, even this very night in John 15 and 16 and 17, as He goes to pray in the garden, was that God would be glorified. Sometimes we want our prayers and we think that the purpose of prayer is so that we would be gratified. The purpose of prayer is that God would be glorified. And that's the issue. We go to God in prayer and we think that the purpose behind it is so that we can get what we want from God, but rather the purpose behind prayer is that we would abide in His will, we would be changed to His will, and that He would be glorified in our prayers, in our life, 
and our work and all that we are. Jesus' ministry was to glorify God by doing His will. And you will never glorify God if you are out of His will or not doing His will. Abiding prayer glorified God and all that Jesus did sought to bring Him glory. How do you know? Well, He tells us in John, we see it. Turn with me over to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Jesus knows of Lazarus' death. In verse 14 of chapter 11, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And every time I read that, I chuckle a little bit. Because there the disciples go, Lord, if he's asleep, he shall do well. He's resting. Verse 13, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taken in of rest and sleep. And he says, he's dead. And verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. You know what happens when you pray? When you pray to God in the difficult times, and you pray to God and you're asking Him, Lord, show me Your will. God, change my will to be Your will. You know what happens? God is glorified and honored in it. Because we're dependent upon Him, but then we're directed by Him to do His will. I don't ever want to do anything outside of the will of God, nor do I want to do anything outside of glorifying Him. Jesus then later on in the passage, you you probably know this well, here in chapter 11, verse 38 to 42, it says, Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks. He stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. It was impossible. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto you, uh, unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Was Jesus' focus? The glory of God. Jesus' focus in raising Lazarus to life in just a moment is not so that Lazarus won't be dead no more. It's so that God would be glorified and that people would believe. Notice this. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up His eyes. Notice this. Jesus is God, isn't He? Absolutely. Is He God right here? Yes, He is. And instead, what He does is in His humanity, He directs His eyes to the Lord, His Father. And He depends this work upon the name of God and the glory of God to accomplish this work. He says, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hast heard me. Oh, if we prayed with confidence like that. I knew that Thou hearest me always. And because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that Thou hast sent me. To glorify God. The issue here is we struggle and battle with, well, what part is God's and what part is mine? What work is God's and what work is mine? Are we working together? Are we working against each other? And sometimes it feels like we're working against each other. And the reason why it feels like the work in our life and the work in the church is against God is because sometimes it's not in the will of God. We've ceased to pray about something. We've ceased to, to take it to the Lord in prayer and to continue to take it to the Lord in prayer and to continue to take it to the Lord in prayer. And after we've taken it to the Lord in prayer, that's when we stop praying about it. But we need to keep going in prayer. We miss that the whole purpose is not just to go, well, I'm just going to go for it and and, and if God don't do it, well then, I prayed about it, so that's on Him. 
Right? We prayed and said, God, do this. And then we went about it and it flopped and failed. And we go, well, I prayed about it even in Jesus' name. Why didn't it happen? Because we're not abiding in His will in prayer. Andrew Murray says this, and it's a, it's a lengthy quote, but I believe it will help us in this. If you want to read something on prayer and abiding in Christ, read Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray. It will help you a lot. So the simplicity, what it means to follow Jesus. He says, the explanation of the apparent mystery is to be found in this, that when God and man are spoken of as working together, there is nothing of the idea of a partnership between two partners who each contribute their share to a work. I want you to know this. Let's stop there for a moment. I can't contribute to the work of God what God contributes to the work of God. I can't. I'm not Jesus. I'm not Paul. I'm not Peter. I'm Pastor Joe. And I know him, and he fails an awful lot. You say, well, Pastor, how do you ever get used to the Lord? Because it ain't me. It's the Lord. Look at this. Andrew Murray goes on and he says, the relation is a very different one. The true idea is that of cooperation founded on subordination. We think that I've got to do my part and then God's got to do His part. My part is letting God do His part. My part is submitting to the will of God. My part is understanding that I'm not God, I'm not the Holy Spirit, nor am I anybody else's Holy Spirit. I've got to let God be God and me be me. And in so doing, letting God work through me because that's what He desires to do. Murray goes on and he says, As Jesus was entirely dependent on the Father for all His words and all His works, so the believer can do nothing of Himself. What he can do of himself is altogether sinful. He must therefore cease entirely from his own doing and wait for the working of God in him. As he ceases from self-effort, faith assures him that God does what he has undertaken and works in him. And what God does is to renew, to sanctify, and waken all his energies to their highest power. So that just in proportion, as he yields himself a truly passive instrument in the hand of God, will he be wielded of God as the active instrument of his almighty power. The soul in which the wondrous combination of perfect passivity with the highest activity is most completely realized has the deepest experience of what the Christian life is. So what's the Christian life? What's the Christian's life of prayer? What's your prayer life? The purpose of your prayer is that we would not pick up a hammer and wield it, but that we'd be the hammer to be picked up and wield. That we would passively trust God to do a work through us, and in so doing, He would actively use us. So what happens when you win somebody to the Lord? You passively yield it to the Spirit, and He actively worked through you. What happens in our prayer life? We forget what it means to pray in the Spirit. How many times I've prayed in my flesh and God hasn't answered because I've prayed in my flesh. How many times I've prayed to fulfill and gratify my flesh and then God was not glorified in such. You want to know the key to your Christian life? It is both the dichotomy or the, this beautiful, strange understanding that as I yield passively to the Lord's work. He actively uses me to do the work and that's the will of God. Our abiding prayer is this. That prayer is not to bend God to our will but to bend us to God's will. 
And only prayers that align with God's person and plan should be prayed and answered. This is why there are some who take verses 13 and 14 and they say, well, if I just ask to win the lottery, or I just ask for the this for free, or if I just ask and I throw Jesus' name on it, right? That's real popular nowadays. We'll just speak Jesus' name. We'll, we'll throw Jesus' name on it like it. He's not a garnish. Jesus is not paprika or parsley. Jesus is the one that we pray to, pray through, pray for, to he be, so He would be honored. We don't just sprinkle Him in and go, well, since I sprinkled His name in, well, God will honor that. You can pray a lot of wicked things in Jesus' name and be just as wicked in your prayer. Some of us have done such, haven't we? We pray that God might get rid of somebody in Jesus' name and it ain't God's will to get rid of that somebody. However you want to take getting rid of that somebody to be. Here's the thing. The purpose behind our prayer is that our work would be His work and that His work would be our work and that our will would be His will and His will would be our will. Answered prayer only comes through abiding. I find that the closer I am to Jesus, that's when I find some answered prayer. Not that Jesus didn't answer prayer before. But when I'm abiding in Him, I notice the answered prayer. When I'm not abiding in Jesus, I'll go weeks and months and go, God just ain't been answering my prayer. You know something I found as well though, the more I pray and the more active the Spirit prays through me and the more dependent I am upon God, the more I start to see God answers things. You pray for provision, right? All of us pray for provision. If you ate in the past 48 hours, that's answered prayer. If you pray for God to help you in life and you're alive right now and your heart's beating, that's an answer prayer. We forget though, because we're not so dependent on prayer as we used to be. If we're not careful, our own nation's going to go back to a place where we're going to have to be dependent on prayer because we're not going to be able to be dependent upon our debit cards and checkbooks anymore. And I believe the reason why the church is so ineffective and so lethargic and the reason why most believers are is because we have not depend, dependent upon prayer anymore. Used to be a time up in these mountains, by the way, less than 100 years ago, where everybody was dependent upon prayer. Prayed for rain. Prayed for it to come. Prayed for it to stop coming. But thank God through it. Depended upon God through it. And God provided. And people realized that it was through prayer. It wasn't through doctors. It wasn't through government. It wasn't through anybody else. It was God done it. Why? Because look at what God done. They glorified God. Because they understood the purpose of prayer. His will is always for our good and His glory. And it is God's will that you would pray. But you must pray God's will. That is the grave issue of our day. It's that we think that God's will should be what we want. We have it wrong. I don't sit upon the throne and neither do you. If I did, I would have no need to pray. I pray to Him because I need my will, my life, to be His will, His life. Third, verse 15 and 17, we find the abiding in His Word. That's the purpose of prayer. That we would abide in His work, we would abide in His will, and that we abide in His Word. You want to get to know what God desires and wants for your life? It's right here. You want to know how you ought to live? It's right here. 
You want to know how you ought to pray? It's right here. We spend so much time searching for answers and we hardly crack open the Bible or bow our knee in prayer. And those are the two greatest joys of which God has given to us to know Him and to know His work, to know His will, and to experience His Word. Jesus abode in the Word of God. Jesus came as the Word of God to fulfill the Word of God. Jesus came as the Word of God to preach the Word of God. And just for sake of time today, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine references. You can see just in the Gospel of John, go online somewhere and type in and Bible Gateway or something like that and type in Will of God and just go in the Gospel of John. You'll find these places from chapter 12 on where I came not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. I, I came uh, to do His Word and I fulfill His Word. And, and over and over and over again in the Gospel of John, He says, I did this so that the Word might be fulfilled. So the Word might be fulfilled. So the Word might be fulfilled. Jesus lived out perfectly and faithful obedience all of the Word of God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 tells us, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He lived the perfect life that we cannot live. He obeyed perfectly where Adam did not. He obeyed when I could not obey. He fulfilled the law when I could not keep the law. He kept all parts when I, I couldn't keep one of the Ten Commandments. I couldn't keep one of, let alone the other 300, right? No man is perfect in our flesh, but yet what we find is this, that as Jesus abode, He fulfilled the Word. Jesus perfectly obeyed and lived the Word as the Word because He abode in the Word. What does Jesus do in the tabernacle during His ministry? He gets up and He opens up the Word and He reads the Word and preaches the Word. You want to know why we don't have power in the Word of God? And It's not because the Word of God doesn't have power. It's because we're not abiding in the Word. You want to know why at times you might not know what to pray or what to say? Because we're not abiding in the Word. The Holy Spirit of God, as you abide in God, will bring Scripture to memory, will bring you the words to say, will bring you what you need in a time of trouble. That's who God is. It's what God does. But if I'm not abiding in Him in prayer, I will miss it. Our abiding here. As Jesus obeyed the Word through abiding, so must we. Who are we to think that we can be so flippant with God's Word? Who are we to think that we don't need the Bible even when we pray? Why? Because I don't want to pray anything that's outside of the Bible. There's an awful lot of good prayers in there. There's an awful lot of sweet uh, patterns of prayers and, and, and a lot of things that teach me what it means to pray. There's an awful lot of things in there that I should be praying. But I won't know unless I'm abiding in it. You'll never know the Word unless you abide in the Word. And if we are to see the greater works done, as he had just talked about in verse 12, that he desires for us to do, it's only going to be through abiding in His will and abiding in His Word. All of us would say today, I want to work for Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. You want to do it? Alright. Here's where it is. Pray. And as you pray, abide in His will. Pray His will. Abide in His Word. And there will be great works done. 
There has never been a work of God done that was done through man, which that's how He decides to work in this life today. It's never been done outside of people that pray. There's countless people who have been used of God throughout the centuries, throughout the the past 2,000 years of of church history. Many great revivals. Some of you might have even seen some great revivals in time. And even, by the way, and and hold on and don't, don't throw me out here, but even in other denominations... And great revivals in the Methodist churches and even Presbyterian churches and many different churches that God has used to bring about waves of revival at different times through different men and women who sought God. But you know, in their differences, you know what can be said about all of them? That were used of God? They prayed. They knew the purpose of prayer. And they knew that there would never be a revival. There would never be personal revival or public revival unless they were abiding in His work and in His will and in His Word. We only obey His commands when we're truly abiding in Him. We're only truly abiding in Christ when we are abiding in prayer. Look back at John 15, verse 4 and 5. Abide in Me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in Me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in Me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And here's the key. For without Me ye can do nothing. The purpose of prayer is to show my own heart that I can do nothing without Him. Whether I wake or sleep. Whether I sit or stand. Whether I sing or be silent. Whether I preach or whether I listen to preaching. Whether I work in kids ministry or go to Bible study. Whatever you do, what is the purpose? It's to realize that I can do none of those things without Him. You think you're breathing and alive right now because your heart's working right? Your systems in your body are working right? Praise God that they are. But you know why they are? Because without Him, you can do nothing. That means even live. I don't take a breath without God. I don't take a walk without God. Don't preach a sermon. Don't listen to a sermon. Don't pray a prayer without God. Don't pray a prayer with thinking that there's going to be fruit unless you are abiding in Him. Hudson Taylor, one of the finest missionaries. And by the way, I'm reading missionary biography and I encourage you to do so. You'll find that they prayed. Not because they were scared. Many times they prayed because they were scared. But because they were dependent upon it. It'll encourage you and convict you in ways that I haven't been in quite some time. Hudson Taylor, a pioneer missionary, said, The branch of the vine does not worry and toil and rush here to seek for sunshine and there to find rain. No. It rests in union and communion with the vine. And at the right time and in the right way is the right fruit found on it. Let us so abide in the Lord Jesus. Our abiding in the Word is only found in the Holy Spirit. The Comforter. The Spirit of Truth found in verse 16 and 17. I'll send you another comforter. The word is parakletos. It is one who comes along, alongside. One who is a defender. 
He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth in you and shall be in you. As He is in me, I must be in Him. And if you desire to know the purpose of prayer, it will only be found in Him. John 16, verse 13 tells us of the same Spirit of truth. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. If you want to know the will of God today, if you want to know the purpose behind prayer today, don't look for another self-help book. Don't look for trying hard. Don't look for, well, I just got to be better. If you could be better, you would be better. You can't. Neither can I. It is found through abiding in the vine. He is the vine and we are the branches. And so if you want prayer to be a priority in your life, as we talked about last week, if you want to know the, the power and of answered prayer, find the purpose first. And the purpose is that we would be bent to the Lord. That we would abide in Him. The purpose of prayer is to have us abide in His work, in His Word, and in His will. That's it. And the Christian life and the prayer life of every Christian will only ever be accomplished in abiding in Him. That's it. I ask you today as we bring this to a close. Are you praying? Sure, of course, preacher, I pray. So do I at times. Let me ask you again. Are you praying the way that God would have us to pray? Are we praying with purpose behind it? And what is your purpose in prayer? To gratify yourself or to glorify God? Is it to get Him to bend His will to yours or to have an abiding in Him your will bent to His. Now, we know the purpose of prayer so that we might be able to say with confidence, I have prayed, God has heard, and He will answer. And the answer of God is that we would be changed to abide in Him, in His work, in His will, in His Word, for His glory. Let's all stand this morning. Piano is going to play, and even if it doesn't, it wouldn't matter. If you have a need today, this altar is open for you. If you need to know the purpose of prayer, if you need to get a hold of God today, come and pray and seek the Lord. Others will pray with you and for you. Come and find your rest and begin now to abide in Christ and experience what prayer can really be.